Well, it is good to be with you, and again, welcome to those that are joining us online. If you're joining us online, I'd love for you to go ahead and just let the, the others that are online know that you're there and just say good morning, and uh, maybe let us know where you're joining us uh, from. Unless you're joining from Florida or Arizona, um, you snowbirds, I don't know if we will really want to know that uh, you guys have like 70 degree weather and we don't. But anyway, we're glad that you're here, whether in person, on site or online. It is a good day to lift up the name of Jesus and a good day to go to the next level, to level up. And uh, this song that we just sang about thriving, that is my desire for you guys, that, that you would understand in 2024 all that God has for you, that you would experience... These four things have been uh, what we've been looking at, what we're going to look at and what we're going to, uh, today and what we're going to look at next week. So first Sunday, the last Sunday of 2023 and to kick off 2024, we talked about knowing God and, and along with this series, if you haven't already, definitely encourage you to grab one of the books from the table behind the middle row so that you can follow along. Some of the stuff that I'll cover on a Sunday will be in there, but there's a lot of stuff that is not. But a great resource that we want to provide to you to help you to do these four things. In addition to that, I'd also encourage you, if you haven't already, pick up a, pick up a life journal copy and so you can dig into God's Word on a, on a daily basis. Talk about the song that we just sang, Into Your Word We're Digging Deep. It's not just on a Sunday morning that we should be digging deep into the Word of God. We should all be doing that on an individual basis or even as a couple or a family, digging into the Word of God throughout the week so that you can better know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We talked about knowing God. We've talked about finding freedom. Today I want to talk about discovering purpose. And if you've had a child two years old through like six years old, you know that one word becomes like their favorite word, especially like that age two, three, four years old. Why? Why? How many of you know that's like the kid's favorite word from age like two to four especially, but it, it stretches on sometimes beyond that. But why, right? Like, for instance, Johnny, you need to pick up your toys because we're going to leave. Because it's your bedtime. Because you need to go to bed. I need some sleep. <laughs> and like, why? Like, why, why, why? And we ask that question too. Probably every single one have wrestled with this and maybe still wrestling with the greatest why of them all. Why am I here? Why do I exist? And, and the sad reality is that for many, that question doesn't really get fully answered. Not, not in a satisfactory way. Not, not in a way that really seems to bring fulfillment. Like, yeah. And so there's two things that I, I think people are left with. One is how depressing it is to not know that you're made with a purpose. We sing the song, we were made for so much more than ordinary lives, and yet ordinary lives is what most people settle for. And in the midst of that, find themselves extremely depressed because as they try to answer that biggest question of humanity, why? Why am I here? Does my life really matter? And it's depressing if the answer to that is, I don't know yet. I don't know. I'm not sure that my life has a purpose, has meaning to it. So I, I don't want anybody to, to leave here today or to log off today not knowing the answer 
to that question first and foremost, that yes, your life has purpose. Yes, your life has meaning. But also how discouraging it is when we think that we understand the answer to the why and we pursue that with everything that we have, thinking that that's what life is about, that's what our life should be about, that's the purpose for our life, and when we misidentify the purpose for our life, we end up not just depressed, but discouraged. Because we chased after something that in the end couldn't fill us, wasn't fulfilling. There was a gentleman that lived several hundred years ago, in fact, a few thousand years ago, that journaled his experience and going to save us a, a lot of effort if we, if we haven't already gone down the road too far as it is. But he sat out on a journey to find the answer of his existence. And not just his existence, but the existence of all of humanity. And so he explored education. Like, if I just learn more, right, like add knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge, surely that's like why I'm here. That will fulfill me. But the more knowledge he had, the more that he found that that was not truly fulfilling in and of itself. That didn't do it. So he put everything he had into seeking pleasure and entertainment. He, he withheld, denied himself nothing and found that nothing is exactly the fulfillment that it brought in the end. So he sought after, he poured himself into work. Like, I'll just pour myself into work. And the more he worked, he saw that the more he could accumulate. The more he worked, the more he accumulated and the, and the, the, the more he, he gained like, ability to tell other people this or that. He had power. But the more he worked, the more he accumulated, the more power that he gained, step back and realized that too was unfulfilling. And his conclusion was one of quite discouragement and depression. And basically his conclusion is summed up in one word, meaning. So much so that he repeated that numerous times. Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Welcome to Kingston Wesleyan Church. We're here to cheer you up. We're, that's his conclusion. And, and wouldn't you know it, he happened to write a book of the Bible. He didn't just want write one book of the Bible, but we'll focus in on, begin with one of the books that he wrote. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. Anybody know who we're talking about? Solomon, known as the wisest man to walk the earth. And he couldn't answer the question, why do I exist? And he tried all those things that I mentioned. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, like into chapter 5. That's, that's his journey. He journaled it for us in his conclusion. I, I'm going to save you a little bit of time this morning, and we'll just skip to the end. Because that's where we want to read, like, they all lived happily ever after, right? Or, or they found, they discovered purpose. And here's the good news. Solomon discovered purpose. And he wants us to know why God created us. Here it is. Respect God and obey his commands. That is God's purpose for all people. Uh, another translation, the Amplified Version, covers it this way. Fear God and then it adds some extra to kind of give some more nuance to, to our understanding. It says, worship him with awe-filled reverence, knowing that he is almighty God. So two conclusions that are foundational in our quest to discover purpose that we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 
verse 13. Here's the first truth, foundational to answering the question of why do we exist? What is our purpose? First and foremost, here's his conclusion. There is no meaning in life apart from the maker of life. Because God made you, your life has meaning. No matter who you are, your life has purpose. Because God created you, because God made you, you have purpose. In the United States specifically, we're reminded of that with a couple different things that are being celebrated within the next week. Tomorrow, the students and and educators already were off of school, not in anticipation of the winter weather, but because of an individual whose name is Martin Luther King Jr. And a reminder that all people were created equal, right? That God created humanity. And regardless of our skin tones, we all have purpose. We all have value because of our Creator. And we're reminded as we celebrate and remember the life of Martin Luther King Jr. and what he fought for, there's no meaning in life apart from the maker of life. In Dr. King's addresses, those that that are most memorable, points back to his belief, his relationship with God. Next Sunday, churches around the United States and others are promoting something called Sanctity of Life Sunday. There'll be a, a gathering at the Tuscola Courthouse next Sunday afternoon to celebrate the, the sacredness, the sanctity of life, that all life matters from womb to the tomb with, with the, the uh, attention especially directed to those that are still yet to come from the mother's womb, those that are unborn, and the emphasis that, that God has created them. The scripture talks about knit together. I was knit together in my mother's womb before, before he was even born, before he even took a breath, God knew him. That was King David, who is King Solomon's father. And so we celebrate next Sunday the sanctity of life that Every life matters from womb to the tomb because God has created every single individual. And so just a quick reminder, foundational truth, there's no meaning in life apart from the maker in life. That's that's the first conclusion that we see that Solomon comes to. The, The second conclusion that I think is important for us to see here is that we have a universal purpose, that all of humanity has the same purpose. If you go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, it says that is God's will for all people. It's, it's a universal purpose. Well, what is the universal purpose? The universal purpose, why God created every single human being, is to bring Him glory to worship Him, every single one of us were made to worship Him. We were made to bring Him honor and glory, regardless of who you are. Regardless of who you are, you were made to glorify Him. And that means that you have the ability to bring glory to His name. Two foundational understandings, but there's more for us to unpack as we look to discover purpose. It is super, super important that we understand that we were made to worship and that worship is a lifestyle. So when I say we were made to worship, some of you are like, but I can't carry a a, a tune in a bucket. It's not about your singing ability. 
we, we talk about that being worship, but that's just an aspect of worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is about living with a recognition that God is God. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Living with the recognition that God is God. Living in respect and reverence to Him. And Jesus came to help us to understand that we were made to worship and to solve the problem that we had because we were made to worship, but we had a problem. It's called a sin problem. Sin entered the world and we lost the plot. We thought that, we thought that life was just about us, that life was about what we want to do. We thought that life was about just having fun and pleasure and all of that, and that's why Solomon explored that and came to the conclusion, like, yeah, it's still pretty meaningless. That's, that's, that's just emptiness. That's just, that's just void. And so Jesus came so that we can truly know God, that we can find freedom that we talked about last week, but also so that we can discover purpose. And Paul, in Romans chapter 12, picks up on that. I'd love for you to turn there. If you have your Bible today, page 803, if you're grabbing one of the KDBC Bibles there in front of you, love for you to follow along. We'll pick it up in verse 1. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's as if Paul is saying, let's get back to why we were created. You were made for a purpose. And now that you know God through the saving work of Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with God because of what he has done on the cross, and you've been set free from the burden and the bondage of sin and the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ Now go live with purpose, the primary purpose, the universal purpose. In fact, if you take the word universal and the word purpose, and you take the first letter from the the word universal and the first letter from the word purpose, you have U-P, up. That's your purpose, to point up, to point others to God. That's That's the universal purpose that all of humanity shares. And Paul says, let's get back to that. So as we continue into 2024, and I saw something that was shared on on Facebook about like 2024 actually starting in February because they're counting January as like a kind of a do-over month, right? Like a trial month. So maybe some of you are, are at that. We're a couple weeks in, and like, but maybe now is where you're going to really start. And like, let's level up, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and for you to understand that you were made to worship. And so I want to ask you, how does your life line up with that purpose? knowing that you were made to worship God, that your life was made to bring honor and glory to Him, how does your life line up with that right now? Is that your focus? Is that your priority? As you look at the way you spend your time, as you look at the way you spend your money, as, the way that, as you look at the way that you husband or wife, as the way you look at you, how you parent, is that purpose at the forefront to bring honor and glory to God, to point others up to Him. Paul says, let's get back to that. It's a lifestyle. And he continues. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve. Like, it's a continual process. We understand that, that our universal purpose is to bring honor and glory to God, but how to do that in in every given situation, we're continuing to discover that. Uh, But we're going to be able to test and approve if that's our 
if that's our desire, if that's what we're going after, the Lord's going to help us and we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His purpose for our life on a daily basis, His good, pleasing, and perfect will that we can, in fact, discover purpose. And then Paul continues. I'll just read uh, verse 3. And then we'll take a look together at verse 4. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, it's kind of gradual, and you may have caught it, you may have not. But Paul is going to transition from talking about a universal purpose to a very unique design. Something for all of us, made to worship, made to bring Him honor and glory. But, but how we do that will look different for each person. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts. All collectively, universally, as humanity, we were made to bring honor and glory to God. And then Paul in Romans chapter 12, as he does in 1 Corinthians 13, and as he does in the book of Ephesians, and as we see in one or two other places in Scripture, talks about the body of Christ, or talks about the church and how the church is made up of different individuals with a variety of gifts and abilities, particularly spiritual gifts. So a universal purpose, but a unique design. Here's what Paul is telling us that we all need to know. We, we all have, we each have a unique design. And so first and foremost, we understand that we've all been created to bring honor and glory to God. We've all been created to point others to Him. But it's important that we also understand that He has created us uniquely and that we celebrate that in ourselves and we celebrate that for others as well. And so we don't think more highly than we ought of ourselves. And we don't look down on others. We, we don't, oh, I wish I had that or I wish I had this. wish I could do this and I wish I could do that. Like, this is how God made me and I'm going to do the best that I can with what God has given me to bring him honor and glory. What somebody else does with what they have is their responsibility. But God has uniquely designed every single one of you for His honor and for His glory. I borrowed something today. I haven't used it yet, but can you guys tell what this is? Those that are in person, what is this? It's an ice scraper and a, like a snow brush, right? How many of you used one of these this morning? Some of you that are online, you haven't used one yet. You haven't got out of the house yet, right? But some of you used one this morning. Some of you didn't because your car was in a garage, right? But these are handy to have, especially in our area of the country. And you can tell what it's for, right? I mean, like, it's got the brush, and so that makes sense. It, it fits in the hand. It's got this other side that comes to a pointed edge. And so you can tell by how it's shaped, how it's designed, what it's made for. Sweep and scrape, right? It, it makes sense. Some of you maybe used something else recently, Another tool. How many of you used one of these recently? How many of you like don't want to see one of these again for a while? Okay. And you can again look at this and look at the design, the shape of it. Even if you didn't know what one of these is, you could probably get a pretty good idea of what it's for. But in Michigan, we definitely understand how it's designed and it's designed well, right? To to really just get that snow out of the way. And, and there are even some different variations. Some of you 
your shovel probably is a little more scooped. And maybe the handle on it is, is bent because it's, it's more made for actually just picking up the snow and throwing it, where this one's a little bit more made for just pushing it out of the way. You can pick it up with it, but it's more made for pushing, and it'll definitely do the job, and it's, it's heavy duty. But then I have something else back here. How many of you know what this is? And you can tell by the shape of the design what this is. Even if you haven't used one before, you probably get a little bit of an idea of what it is, right? Because it can really stretch out. How might this be helpful this time of year? You got the idea, right? Where it's not made to push or to scoop, it's made to pull. Hmm. They all have the same universal purpose to remove snow from where it's wanted right but they also have a very unique design to do so in a particular way i really wanted to bring in the snowblower i had it in the front entryway but i had used it and knew that I would make a mess if I brought it in the rest of the way. So I decided against it, and I just knew I couldn't bring in a snowplow because that wasn't going to work at all. But here's the thing. I'm going to say that. You think about how else all of that might fit together and what biblical lesson might come out of it and I'll see if you came up with the same conclusion that I did. So hang on to that thought. Let's talk about shape. And this isn't, this isn't a, hey, I've got a diet plan for you. Okay? If you would, grab those papers, uh, those that are in person. I, hopefully you received a handout. You can go ahead and turn to that. Some of you have done this. Some of you have done this within the last year. And my guess is that if you were to fill this out, most everything would be the same. Things probably haven't changed too much since then. Some of you filled this out maybe three, four, five years ago. Some of you ten years ago. Some of you have never seen this before. I'm going to kind of walk you through it because this is something we use in our iLife, our membership class, Discipleship Journey, to help people understand where they fit into the kingdom of God, to, to discover purpose. But in particular, how you fit into Kingston Wesleyan Church and where you might be best suited, shaped, to serve in the local church so that you can bring honor and glory to God and so together, collectively, as a church, we can point others up to Jesus. Okay? And so I'm going to walk you through the acronym SHAPE. And there's some different tools in this packet to help with some of these, and I'll allude to them as we go. The first one is one of those, spiritual gifts. So if you take the first section of staple papers and move that to the side, you'll see spiritual gifts test or spiritual gift inventory sheet. And that's, that's a way of trying to discover the spiritual gift or gifts that the Lord has given to you. Every single believer, every single person that is a new creation is given at least one spiritual gift. Again, Paul talks about some of those in Romans chapter 12. We see a more exhaustive list and more exhaustive teaching on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In the book, Pastor Chris mentions some of that as well. Doesn't spend a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts, but he does mention spiritual gifts in the third section. Here's three things that I want you to know about spiritual gifts. Three things to keep in mind. Number one, spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit. And it makes sense, right? Spiritual gifts given by the Spirit. That makes sense. Okay? 
So second thing, I've said this, but I want you to really understand each of these things. Second, every Christian has at least one. Every Christian has at least one. Some have more than one, but every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. The third thing that I want you to know is every Christian doesn't have the same one. We've been shaped differently. We've been formed differently. Paul says it like uh, this way, basically, in, in another passage. Like, we're not all eyes. We're, we're not all toes. Like, that's a little bit of a, a different take on it, but, but that's essentially the case. Like, it wouldn't make sense, right? The body would not work, wouldn't function properly if if the whole body was just an eye, or if the whole body was just a foot, or the whole body was just a hand. Like, God made us different parts. We have different parts of the body because they have different functions. And in the body of the church, a local church and the church universal, God has provided a variety of parts that fit together, that form together to function in a way that brings honor and glory to Him collectively. And so not... Not one gift is given to all people. There's a variety of gifts, and every Christian has at least one. So at some point, probably not right now during the service, but at some point today, I would love for you to complete the spiritual gift inventory and write that in on the first set of sheets that you have, the shape sheet, where it says spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, I believe I have. And you, you've, After you've completed the, the spiritual gift uh, inventory, write those in. And if there are some others that you think you may have, it, it didn't show up on here, but, but you think you have it, maybe you took another test some other time or whatever the case may be, go ahead and write those in. Can I just have that? just to, to, to be able to take into consideration as we go, okay? I, I will say this one thing. As you're filling out the spiritual gift inventory, as well as the other sheet that we're going to talk about in a little bit, it is vital as far as to help you better discover, discover your purpose, how best you can bring honor and glory to God, how best you fit into the church universal and, and even the local church, it's important that you answer the questions honestly and without, like, prejudice, without trying to get something, like, we're not asking what would you like to be, what would you like to have, what would you hope others would say, but what would other people really say? Those that know you best, how would they answer this? And if you're not sure, Maybe ask somebody that you trust to help you complete this sheet as well as the other one that we'll talk about in just a few moments. The H in shape is for heart. Another way to understand this is passion. And so there are some questions here on the first uh, set of sheets that help you to better unpack that, better discover that. But things like working with do you prefer to work with things? You're good with your hands. You're good at putting things together. Or maybe you're just, you're a really good people person. That's, that you're, you just, you love being with people. People are your passion. For, for some, like information. You're really good at, at, and you just love working with numbers. That's part of how God's wired you. Figure that out. Understand that, and the, the heart part of that will help you with that. For some, like, you care about children, and some, like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be around children. Some, like, I like teens. Like, some of you are like, ah, I probably shouldn't be around teens. For some, like, they just love young adults. That, that early 18 to 30-year-old period, like, just so much life and, and discovery and helping people navigate early parenting and stuff, like you're just drawn to that and you have a, a passion for that. Some, some people are passionate for, for singles and, and helping singles or, or those that are single again or some people are passionate about marriage and helping people have a godly marriage. Whatever it is, God's wired you, giving you passions. 
uh, heart for something, it's, it's important to understand what that is. It's part of your shape. It goes into how God would choose to use you to bring honor and glory to him. But here's the thing with heart. I, I have seen that there are times when people are really passionate about something. One of the things that comes to mind is that, uh, especially in the church, you find that there are people that are passionate about music. They're passionate about singing. And we don't just see this in the church. We can see it in other places in, in society. Uh, this is primarily how American Idol became so popular. Some of you remember, especially early on in the, the seasons of American Idol and how they would begin the first, I don't know, two, three, whatever it was. A lot of it was bringing out people much like me that have a passion for music. They love music. I've got music playing the majority of the time that I'm awake. Love it. But those that have heard me sing, I bless your heart for still being willing to sit right behind me. Know that it's not an ability that I have, right? It, it's not something that he's like, hey, this guy can sing. You should have him sing the national anthem, or you should have him do a special, or you should have him, like, not going to happen. But God has given each of you different kinds of abilities. Just like we have different spiritual gifts, we have different natural, God-given abilities. Things that you excel in. They're different. It's not the same as a spiritual gift. Sometimes we may see overlap. For instance, I'll go ahead and just give you an example. Matt Kiley, I believe, I never had him, but my daughter had him as a phys ed teacher. Matt is a very good phys ed teacher. Doesn't just get the kids in there to play games and goof off and have fun. Not that all phys ed teachers do that but I have known some that did. Matt is genuinely, consistently teaching them physical education. Does it very well from everything that I've observed. He has a, a God-given ability to do that. And, and that has... That has grown, no doubt, through the different trainings and things that he's had, his education and all that. But he's got an ability to do that. I've also seen Matt teach the Bible to children, particularly, and that is a spiritual gift. He, sure, he uses the teaching abilities that God has given him, but the way that he's able to bring scripture into a, a way that children can receive it and grow is a spiritual gift, not just a, a God-given ability that, that another teacher could be able to do that doesn't know Jesus, but a spiritual gift that God has given Matt not for Matt's glory, so that everybody can say, wow, what an awesome dude. But so that people can say, what an awesome God. I, I better understand God's word because of the way that he was able to teach and explain it. And every single one of you have a spiritual gift if you're a child of God, but you also have natural abilities. For instance, neighbor George knows how to make coffee and that is a blessing to the church because some of you somebody else would tell us if you're not going to people don't want to be around you unless you've had your coffee and so i'm thankful that george comes in early and has the ability to make coffee so that you guys can have coffee to drink so that we can have some civil discussions during the adult sunday school class but god has given you abilities. The P in shape is personality. This is a fun one, but I, I think this is one of the areas that church people 
have grossly misunderstood and, and failed to understand the importance of unique design. I, I think oftentimes there's a tendency to project a, a specific kind of stereotypical Christian personality. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it kind of goes back to like who the pastor is or, or primary leaders in a church. And, and if, the, if the pastor has a certain personality, then the expectation is that like that's what it looks like to be a Christian. If, if the pastor's like super energetic and always got a smile on their face, you know, a 5,000 watt smile, like that's what it looks like to be a Christian. And everybody has to act like, live like, Yay! Life's a party! And, but then there are others that, that grow up, and what you see is that Christians are like proper, never get too, too excited, never get too down. You're just like calm, cool, collected. And so you think, like, that's what it looks like. And here's the thing. In Scripture, we see a variety. In Scripture, we see at least four different personalities, and there are a variety of ways that these have been titled and explained, but typically, they fall into these four categories. You've, you've got, uh, so one way that people have, uh, that uh, one person came up with is, is called DISC, and maybe some of you are familiar with that. Maybe some of you have done the DISC profile to, to learn how you're wired, how your, your temperament, your personality is. A lot of workplaces look to have these done for their employees so that they can better know how management and, and others can work together and where people might fit the best because they understand, even though they don't understand a lot of times the biblical understanding of this, the teaching of this, but they understand to some extent there's a unique design. And so there's the D-I-S-C, DISC, that, that they came up with. But then there's also something that's a little bit more familiar, choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, melancholy. I personally like to use animals in teaching this. And something that I came across several years ago the lion is the same as the D or the cleric. An otter is the same as the I in disc or sanguine. Golden retriever is the same as S in disc or phlegmatic. And then a beaver is the same as the C in disc or melancholy. Here's just a, a quick overview, give you a little bit of an example of what kind of personalities, temperaments, fall under each one. And I've given two that are seen more as positive and two that are more seen as a, a negative for the, each personality or temperament. For a lion, they're, they're dynamic. They're typically leaders. So if you're in a group, uh, cohort, or whatever, a team that's going to work on something, they typically are the ones that just kind of take charge. They're, they're natural leaders, at least as far as taking charge. Now, the true test of a leader is, does anybody follow them? But a lion, a lion is dynamic. They'll take charge. They're bold. They're the ones that are going to, they're going to take the hill, right? They're, they're going to say things. They get things started a lot of times. They're the initiators. They can also be seen as bossy and impatient. And it's good to understand the positives of our personalities as well as the, the challenges or what can be perceived as the negatives because we want to be self-aware and it's important that we understand that we're created but we've also been recreated. We were created, we were made as humans to glorify God. As Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, we've been redeemed, we've been made new and so Scripture talks about the old has come, the, the new is gone. We should be different in how we go about living out our personality. And so we're making sure that we're looking to be aware of things, especially that don't line up with God's Word. 
and how we should be interacting with others. The otter, they're optimistic, they're fun loving. They're the life of the party, right? But they also can be, they, they have the tendency to be undisciplined and forgetful. The, the golden retriever, the, the phlegmatic, they're loyal, they're calm, but they, they can also have a tendency to avoid confrontation and be indecisive. And then there's the beaver. They're practical, they're analytical, but they also can be a perfectionist. And so they can be hard on themselves and they can be hard for others to work with. Because not everybody gets it right, especially all the time. And so they can become easily depressed because as much as they want to be a perfectionist, they don't always get it right either. And here's the thing. Most people are not just one or the other of these. They're typically a combination primarily of two of the four. Oftentimes we'll have some kind of percentage of all four, but predominantly two of the four. Just real quick, in Scripture, Paul was a lion. He's dynamic. He's a leader of leaders. It's like he wrote in one place, essentially, you think that I, I'm all roar and no bite? Just wait till I show up. Like, he was a lion. It wasn't just a lion, but we definitely see lion in Paul. Peter definitely had otter in him. First one to say something, Peter. First one to do something, Peter. First one to walk on water, the only one to walk on water with Jesus, Peter. First one to put his, mouth, his foot in his mouth, Peter, the otter. Reading the gospel according to John, we see that John was a golden retriever. The disciple whom Jesus loved. The, the one that like always, pretty much always find him by Jesus' side. Loyal, John. The beaver, Mr. Melancholy himself, Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, analytical, like, let me see it, I've got to have it right there in front of me, got to have a flow chart, let me touch, take it all in. Also the one that found out that Lazarus had died, is like, let's all go so we can die too. Melancholy Thomas. Figuring out what your personality is. So there's two different ways, two different little tests. One is a shorter test that has the, the four animals mentioned uh, on the top of it. I'd encourage you to do both tests so that you can put them together and see if the results show you the same thing. And then plug that in to your shape profile. The last one is experiences. And this could be educational experiences, occupational experiences, ministerial experiences, painful experiences, spiritual experiences, all of that. Here's something beautiful. No matter what your experiences, even the ugly and painful experiences, God can use your story for his glory. God can use your story for his glory. That's one of the beautiful things when we understand that not just that we've been made to bring him honor and glory, but that we've been remade to bring him honor and glory. And that God can use any story for his glory. Together you take all five of those, that is what we call your shape. Understanding that God has formed and transformed you. And that helps inform how you can best function in the body of Christ so that we collectively can fulfill his mission. And go back to the tools. You can think of a snowblower being in here as well, if you like. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you a conclusion and see if your conclusion is the same. Every single one of these are made with a universal purpose to remove snow from where it's not wanted. Each of these were made uniquely. They were made differently, right? It started off with the, the little brush and scraper combo. Went, went to the shovel and then the, the roof rake. But here's the thing. If, if I used this on my car, what might happen? 
How many of you say your wife might yell at you? Because <laughs> I'm going to leave some scratches and there's going to be some problems, right? It's not, it wasn't, wasn't really intended for that. It, it's made to move snow, but it's not going to be the best, best tool for that. Or, or if, if I try to use this to clean my, my sidewalks, it, it's not going to work too well. If, if I try to use this, to clean the roof? Or what if I use the snowblower on the roof? Here's the conclusion. When we use the tool in a way that it wasn't made for, yes, it had a universal purpose to remove snow, but the form, the function, we have it wrong. It doesn't work right. It doesn't work right. And in the end, it it probably is just going to cause a lot of frustration and even potentially damage. Like if I try to use a snowblower on the roof or the shovel on my car. The same happens like in the church and in life when we don't understand and embrace how God has shaped us, wired us with a unique design to fulfill the universal purpose of bringing honor and glory to Him. I want to do everything that I can to help you discover purpose so that you can not go through life depressed thinking that your life has no meaning. Your life does have meaning. You do have a purpose. You were made to bring honor and glory to God. But I also don't want you to get frustrated because you're trying to be a peg in a round hole or a square in a peg hole. I want you to fit and flourish where God has made you to be and to be all that God has made you to be. And I think, I think this can help us both out. And so if you would, if you haven't already, if you would at some time complete this, if you haven't done it in the last year or two, complete that because things oftentimes change. And you may see that actually... I would probably fit and flourish in a different spot than I would have thought before. And we want to do our best to make sure that the body of Christ is best represented as the body of Christ, that every part has a part. So if you'd help us out with that, that would be awesome. I just want to bring you back as we close, and we'll sing one more song. The universal purpose, we're all made for His glory. We're going to sing a song. We'll close with this. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. And then the bridge says, here am I, all of me. Take my life. It's all for thee. That's essentially what Paul was telling us in Romans chapter 12, to get back to living with purpose that universal purpose that we're made for His glory. And so we present ourselves afresh and anew today to say, I'm here, all of me, for all of you.